Oh, man, are you guys ready? This is one of my favorite things to do. We usually do this on Tuesdays. But what is today? Today's Friday. We're recording a leadership lean-in on a Friday. And so I am so honored to have two incredible leaders on the pod. That's what I call it, on the pod. Please put your hands together and welcome Pastor Rich Wilkerson Jr. and Pastor Stephen Chandler to the stage. Yeah, big step, big step, big step. Come on, uh, on, on to the uh, to the studio. Can we close those curtains right there? I'm going to be weapons of mass distraction back there. I'm going to be. I want to. I want to lock in on the pod. Now, let's just start very practically. By the way, this is like the impulsive of Christianity. Four people got that reference. Do you not get that reference? I didn't hear. I missed it. I didn't this hear. This is it. like the impulsive of Christianity. Do you oh, know that part? Oh yeah, 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 yeah. It's yeah. A, one of the Paul brothers. Anyway, yeah, yeah. so we're off to a roaring start. So, guys, I want to first start. What podcasts do you listen? Do you listen to any podcasts? Like, are you a podcast frequenter? I bet he, I bet he does. <sighs> I, I'm going to surprise you. I don't listen to much, and the ones that I do, y'all going to roll your eyes. I'm a huge Dave Ramsey fan, but yes. watch this. I like that. Yes. It's going to sound weird. Not because of the money, but because of how mean he is to people. I love it. Oh, yeah, yeah. It's He's just savage, like, bro. He is savage. Dude, sarcasm from beginning to end. So I bro, say things I he can't. He makes me feel so small <laughs> and dumb. He's so dogmatic and extreme. I really enjoy his pettiness. <laughs> Not everybody's pettiness do I welcome, but I agree. I like him. Like, if I'm on TikTok and a clip of Ramsey comes up, I'm stopping. Oh, I'm yeah. watching. Because you know it's like, going to be savage. He's going to say something really extreme, and I'm going to feel worse about myself. <laughs> Richard, do you listen to any podcasts? I, um, I love true crime. <laughs> There's no what? way you listen to true no, crime. No, I don't. 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 I love true crime. Um, I feel like you're an audiobook guy. Do you, I'm do you a have, big audiobook guy. I know guy. this about you, but do you have, do you have so the always, margin for the pod? I have a few audiobooks always going, a fiction thing and a theological thing and then like a leadership <laughs> thing. These are the categories of my life, by the way. Um, Buckets? No, you know what podcast I, I did listen to for a little while was How I Built This with... So good. Very good podcast. and You know, the CEO of Patagonia, I would say Jesus Christ and him have really, really impacted my ministry. How a I tough built this crowd, a, man. Um, <laughs> I'm kidding. No, uh, but, but, but I, I listen to that one sometimes. I think it's, How I Built This is a great one. Have you guys ever listened to when I was, you know, um, I don't know if you knew this about me. I ran <laughs> Bro, a marathon. I, I'm not going to be able to do this if you're doing that the whole time, okay? Like, I'm serious. The whole thing, I man, actually, is already getting me. I actually don't want to be serious. This okay, is the I'm problem. I'm prepping to be serious. Okay. Then you start doing... <clears throat> it's the it's the little things that Chad does that you think he's he's like you know I don't know if you know this about me it's like <laughs> shut up like, like today he was MC he's like he's like the oil and he goes like, I'm not I'm like shut up so it's these little things that get how about someone who last night I thought Chad Veach was literally like doing stand up comedy the whole bit about your dad I was I was genuinely wondering I'm like have you said all this before like this is the funniest thing when you start going. You started going, you would, you would. 
I, I, I'm laughing five minutes. You're into the landing to the point. I'm still laughing at the joke. So, The problem with preaching in front of your friends is like you actually just want to make them laugh. And the you satisfaction is not ministry anymore. It's getting your friends to laugh. It was medicine for this my soul. This is not okay. These are wrong motives. No, it was beautiful. You, but, I told you I was going to wake up. Like, <laughs> <laughs> that's the funniest thing you said. I told you I was going to wake up. Why'd you do that? Like, about, so mad. I just love doing dumb things from stage. For example, earlier today, um, I stole a lady's bucket hat and never gave it back. Yeah, genuinely. <laughs> Brother, I just had this conversation yesterday. It is amazing if you have a microphone and a stage, how instantly you are given authority. Yes. For instance, I do not like it when I'm in the audience and someone calls me out and brings me on stage. And we were just at staff retreat. And I was saying to them, I was like, if someone comes up, like we had someone from our staff teaching, and they're like, Pastor Rich, why don't you stand up? Like, even though I am an authority and this person works for me, I'm like, I stand up. It's like, you come up to this stage. I would walk up there solely because you have a microphone and a stage. Today, you stole this girl's hat. She didn't even like go, can I get my hat back? This is what we are up against. In society, this is an abuse of power, and I want to talk about that today. <laughs> Leadership leaning. I am so hurt by the church, and you're the big problem here. <laughs> Which brings me to my first question, exactly. abuse of power. Let's talk about that. <laughs> Stephen, when I, I've watched this about, I'm kidding, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. <laughs> Chad and I have been watching you for a while, man, and there's some concerns, there's some things we celebrate, but some concerns. I love, like I that. love that. So, you know, like some concerns. It's always interesting to me who is concerned about my life. Very good. Very, talk about that. The person who's concerned with you. Yeah. Well, I could preach on that, but I'm gonna. That's a Jezebel spirit. <laughs> Going back to Julia's message today. Yeah, very good message. Very, yeah, clap for Pastor Julia. Very good. Leaners who are, leaners who are listening on the audio. We've got a big audio base. It's yeah, it's massive. The video is. We're gonna flailing. cut this part before we get because we're gonna get to the content. The video at some point. doesn't really go, so to speak. But the audio is crazy. Honestly, bro. Yeah. Huge. But leaners that are right now on your jog, Julia Veach, my wife, preached sensational today. Go yeah. to the podcast and listen to the message. Yeah. I do, I do want to talk about leadership, and I just want to acknowledge and thank every leader that's here, and the fact that you've come this lunch, to me, is indicative of your first ability to acknowledge and accept your leadership responsibility, but then in addition for you to also say, like, I want to learn. So your attendance is really loud to me. And I said it yesterday, a mentor always walks through the door when a student is ready to learn. And so and, and I, I love that we live in an era, you know, we're talking about audiobooks, that you can be mentored from people that you never meet. And I've been learning from leaders, all, you know, Malcolm Gladwell, you, you, you mentioned. I've been listening to Malcolm Gladwell. I've been listening to Ken Blanchard and Patrick Lencioni and Zig Ziglar. And I never have a leadership leader where I don't mention the name John Maxwell. He is on this podcast, Jesus Cristo. But I just, there's so many leaders you can learn from. So I just want to thank every person for being here today. And whatever sphere of influence you have, Leadership is influence, nothing more, nothing less. 
So thank you for stewarding your influence well. Let's clap for every leader that is here today. I want to I ask uh, you guys, when, when was the moment, when did you start to really not realize that you were a leader, but when did you realize, like, oh, I got to work on my leadership? Like, what, what was, maybe it was an event, maybe it was a season, maybe it was a, a failure, where you go, like, man, I got to actually, I'm, I know there's talent. Clearly, both of you are so talented, so gifted, incredibly uh, intelligent. When did you go, like, man, I, I, I want to grow. I, I got I to buy the book. I got to get the pod. I got to, when did you, what was that moment for you? And, and do you remember who really helped you start to grow as a leader? I, uh, I remember that moment. It was a horrible moment because I was, um, I'd been a senior pastor for four years at that point. <laughs> so I led an entire church and I hadn't learned anything up to that point. <laughs> and you know, it, 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 we're laughing. This is actually pretty horrible because it's absolutely true. But I uh, took over a church. Um, it grew gradually. And then it didn't for one year, two years, three years. And uh, it got so bad. You talked about being weary in the wilderness and talking to yourself. Uh, I started telling myself, maybe you're not called to be a pastor. And I started looking for a place to give this church away to. And uh, no one would take it. You know you got a bad church when you can't even give it away. I'm like, <laughs> will you be, we'll be a campus. You know, I'll be a campus yeah. pastor. Can we? I said, no, we want no part of this. And I think after that, you know, you kind of do all the internal wrestles and God's doing a work in you. I realized, well, this church isn't going to get better if I, get be if I don't get better. And I think that's the point that I really began to lean into growth and leadership and all that other good stuff. I just wish it came a lot earlier. Right. Who were catalysts for you in your personal growth? Because I do believe leadership always starts with us. Yeah. The hardest person to ever lead in the history of your life will be you. And we are the biggest blessing, but we are also the biggest burden to anything we lead. And the, the, let me encourage you today. It's just, I don't mean this in a bad way, but you're the lid on your leadership. And a lot of times it's our thinking, it's our paradigm, could be our premise, which could be your motives, but we're the lid. So when did you start to really go like, man, I'm, I'm, I'm or not, not when, but how did you start to lead yourself? Who were catalysts, like books or people? What helped you grow as a person? So for me, I think the first was podcast. I listened to every message that Pastor Wendell Smith preached wow. that they put online for a decade. Wow. And I just got hooked on him and just started listening backwards. Wow. Pastor Larry Stocksdale, Pastor Robert Morris, yeah. and I mean, just began to inhale. And what got me was obviously the messages and the theology and all that, but as they're illustrating their messages, they're talking about their lives. Yeah. They're talking about their discipline. They're talking yeah. about how they interact with their spouse and their kids and all that. And you guys know that Old Spice commercial where it's like, look at your boyfriend, now look at me, now look at your boyfriend, yeah. I could be your boyfriend. You, you listen to, <laughs> that's a horrible <laughs> analogy. <laughs> but I, you're listening to these men of God and these women of God, and it's a little bit of, look at their life, now look back at yours. They wake up and pray, and you hit snooze button. They have leaders around you, and you don't. And, and it was comparison in the best way comparison could be and really just set a bar of level up, level up, level up. And then probably the first like world changing leader I got around was Pastor Chris Hodges and just sitting in a room with him. Um, you know, you, you feel about this small, um, not because he tries to make you feel that way, but because you're just like, oh my gosh, I'm a loser. 
<laughs> I've just got so much growth and so where to go in my life. So yeah. Awesome. Rich, do you remember this? Like, was it in Tacoma or was it in Miami? Um, I was thinking, I think all, um, yeah, growing up in Tacoma, I, I, my grandfather led a, uh, an Assemblies of God church that we grew up in. And I always probably saw him subconsciously more as a leader than as a, even as a pastor. I thought he was running a big organization and there was people around and staff members around. So I think the thought pattern of leadership was in me from a young age. But I think when I started cutting my teeth on leadership and you realize sort of what you're saying, like, oh, there's lots of room for growth. I think when I go back in my early years, I think there was a natural gift of leadership on me. I think I had a natural opinion. I had a thought pattern. I think people followed. Um, when I went to Bible College, Lee University, Cleveland, Tennessee, 2002, I had just had like an encounter with the Lord at 17 years of age. Looking for, is my wife in this session? I've been, I, she didn't come. Amazing. Okay, cool. Thanks. <laughs> wow. All right. Uh, it's okay. Talk about so, it. Um, I, thought, I was wondering where she was, but um, we, uh, we, we met in, um, I really gave my life to the Lord in December of 2001. I met Don Cherie in February of 2002. It was my senior year of high school. I graduate high school. I go to Cleveland, Tennessee. I'm on fire for the Lord. Now, it's, I think this is kind of funny, but it's also maybe really beautiful. But, like, I'm going to a Bible college wanting to, like, lead a revival at a Bible college. It's like, <laughs> dude, everyone's here is training for the ministry. I'm like, oh, no, 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 not like me, you know? So I started, like, a prayer meeting every Thursday. And um, really when I say prayer meeting, it was, like, my opportunity to, like, say stuff. Yeah. And so... <laughs> So I realized like quickly, like the first one I was, I could gather, you know, I, I can build a church or I could have built a club. I could, I, I can do the same thing. Yes. It's some of the same skills. And so the first Bible study, there was like 35 people at it. You know, yeah. I'm like, okay. And everyone came and I kind of like had this like old, you know, story my dad used to tell at the end of his message. And it took me like eight minutes and then I had nothing left. You know, I'm like, all right, now we're going, we're going to pray. But like no one knew how to pray. And so I'm like just shouting for like an hour. And um, I'm like, next Thursday, be here. You know, like, come back. Well, next Thursday, like, no one really came back. It was, like, eight of us, and I was, like, now I have to start building something. Well, out of that, there was a few guys that hung around the Bible study that year, and there was, like, a guy who played, his name was Joel, he, like, played, like, the guitar, and then there was this guy named um, Micah who, like, played the guitar, and then there was, like, this guy named, like, Nathan who played the, the keyboard, and there was this guy named Jared who played the drums. And so at the Bible study, it was, like, a gym bay, and it was, like, a little keyboard, and it was, like, two acoustic guitars, and so they would kind of, like, open it up, and I would get up and, like, bring a word, you know, five minutes. I was like, guys, this is, I feel like, I feel like this is what the Lord wants us to do. I'm like, well, we need a name. I'm like, I got a name. Broken. Because, because unless you're broken, how can God shine through you? And yeah, so it's good. We really started getting a vision, and we're like, <laughs> we're like, we got to take this thing on the road, because this is like, there's like, there's like 18 to 20 people rocking up we know, every Thursday. The world needs this. And so I'm now I'm organizing. I'm planning an itinerary. I, I, we, 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 get a, we get a blue trailer. We get a maroon minivan. And we take the summer. I have my dad help me book every youth ministry I know. We sleep on the floors of places. And Broken did an entire East Coast, like, revival. And um, I had this sermon. It was called Sold Out and Radical. And uh, it's so good. Um, <laughs> I might do a bit of it tonight because like some of it still works, yeah, but um, yeah, good, it was good. the story of Elijah. It's right before I should have gone before you because it's it's right yeah, there. Give us some of that content, please. Well, 
Well, you remember on Mount Carmel and Elijah comes <laughs> up and there's 400 prophets of Baal and right. 450 prophets of Asherah. And uh, it's like, how long are you going to waver between two opinions? Choose yeah. for yourselves yeah, this choose. day whom you will serve. And he said, we're going to call down fire. And, you know, they're, they're, and I did this big dancing thing like, oh, Baal, send down the fire. And the crowd He's was, really doing this message, guys. Does yeah. everybody realize the crowd was like the message. coming unglued? It was awesome. And the whole thing was like, you got to be sold out and radical. You know, call fire down. And um, the problem was, is like halfway through the tour, mm. the band was starting to break up. Yeah. Because like... You know, some of these places I would go, like, my dad had booked it, so the pastor would take me to dinner, but he wouldn't take the guys But to not dinner. the drummer. Favor's not fair. And by the time the whole tour ended, yeah, that's what I was like, you know? But after the whole tour ended, like, guys were upset and mad, and I was like, all right, you're going to have to, like... And I remember, like, thinking right then and there, like, this is the beginning of, like, I've got to figure out how to keep people together. I've got to figure out right. how to motivate people. Yeah. I've got to figure out how to keep vision in front of us. That's right. And it's only looking back that you see that, like, God was using these hilarious experiences, though, to begin to plant the seed inside of you of what it means to, to become a leader. That's right. How old were you then? I was 18. So here's the thing that stuck out to me as he's talking. You would have never recognized the need for leadership if you hadn't taken the risk yep. yeah. that most 18-year-olds were not taking at that right, time. Right, right. And one of the reasons why people never run into that leadership tension yep. is because they play life safe. Yeah. And if you play life safe, you don't need to be a leader. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> you, you just, you know, you're good right yeah. where you are. Yep. So it's not until you step out and maybe fail a little bit yep. and hit that wall that you realize, hey, there's more in me that's that so God good. wants yeah. to develop. It's so good. But it doesn't come without the risk. It's so good. One of my favorite lines, um, right when we were getting ready to move to L.A., I heard um, Judah preach a brilliant message. And he said, a man with a savior is willing to take a risk. And I always just think leadership is risky business because you are putting your reputation out there. You are putting your life. You are, you know, you're just really, you're out there exposed, you know, good, bad, and different. You're just out there. And that's part of leadership. Leadership is lonely in that way, which is like that. I'm taking a risk. I'm going to start it or I'm going to take it over. I'm going to lead. I, I enjoy the vulnerability. If, listen, if you want comfortable and convenient, you just can't be a leader because leaders about being like in over your head not knowing all the answers, you know, uh, having other people that are smarter than you or better than you further down the road. And, and, and I, and I kind of enjoy that though. I want to talk about, um, I, and I love hearing the, about the Genesis and the history of where you first began. And now we see both of you guys, incredible, amazing leadership abilities and fruitfulness. But I do think that sometimes the lie of leadership is that, wow, they have it so good. And man, I have it so bad. They don't face the problems that I face. But man, my life's hard. Every leader has it hard. I don't care if you're a CEO of a company or if you're in church. Like, name a field or industry that has it easy. It, I don't care if you're in supply and the supply chain or church. It doesn't matter. It's hard. All leadership. If it, if it was easy, everybody would be doing it. But the fact that it's hard means you're a leader. And that's why we need leaders. The greatest felt need in the, in the world, I think, is leadership. So talk to me about what are challenges you're facing right now that are, that's kind of like when you go to bed or when you're waking up or even thinking. You know, leaders, leaders are always thinking. What are challenges you're facing right now? You're like, I'm trying to actually solve this right now. This is something that in, in, whether it's in my leadership or in my organization, 
I interviewed Craig uh, Groeschel on this podcast recently. He said the hardest time out of COVID is right now. So we're all facing challenges. What are some challenges that you're facing, you know, in, in the East Coast? That you're going like, yeah, we're trying to solve this right now. Yeah, yeah. I, I think probably the, the biggest challenge is determining the pace of the organization. I'm a, I'm, I'm, I'm crazy, y'all. I'm just a driver. I'm just like, let's go. Let's take on the world. You know, all kind of stuff. Everybody's worried about, is anybody coming back to church after COVID? I say, who cares? Let's go get them. We'll just go grab them, snatch them out the house. And, and, <laughs> and you, you, not everybody is ready to take the hill when you're ready to take the hill. And it's leadership, wisdom, intuition to know, do I take the hill and leave them behind? Or do I pause on the hill and wait for them to catch up? And it's, it's, it's never one answer. It all depends on the season, on how God's leading, on where your organization is. Sometimes it's, it, you, think about your message you just preached. Elijah went, hey, I'm leaving my servant behind and I'm going a little bit further. Sometimes there's seasons of you can't come with where we're going. You think about Abraham going up to kill Isaac, and he's like, if I bring my servants, they're going to stop me from a sacrifice God's called me to make. So it's time that you can't come any further up with us. But then there's other times where, like, no, these are people that God's called you to build with. And if they're not ready to build, it must not be time to build what God's called you to build. So I think right now, just trying to figure out the difference between pace and pausing. That is so good. I love that. Is it okay if we clap for that answer? I, I think it would totally fit right there. Like, it's just a, a, a clap. Rich, what's something, what's something you're facing? Well, I was just thinking that there's other times that you go, all right, I'm going to go to the top of the mountain and meet God, and I'm leaving you all behind. And you come back 40 days later, and they're all worshiping a golden calf. <laughs> and these people, bro. No. When you started on that whole bit, I was hoping you'd tie in broken. I thought I saw broken. I thought broken was coming into the. Well, those guys, you know. I mean, <laughs> I, I think that I think that Stephen answers it in a really, really beautiful way. I, I, I suppose the way that I would try to articulate it that makes it broad enough for all of us is that as leaders, we have to define what the win is. Yeah. We could sit here literally all day and talk about the different factors that we're facing post-COVID, um, post the cultural moment that we are in, that we've been through. Um, and I think a, a big part of where we're at today is that as leaders, we have to clarify and specify what the win of our organization, of our community, of our tribe is going to be. Uh, because it, it, it's a difficult time for people where they are indecisive. It's that ma kind of feeling that I think Julia was talking about that even leaders are carrying. I think yeah. that she was spot on. I liked how she said it that it's not that you're depressed, it's just that very few of us really feel like we're flourishing. So you get caught in that tension of that space. And so please understand that indecision is a decision. Yeah, that's so good. And, and so a lot of us just sort of live, and there's no clarification. And where there is no clarity, uh, it can lead to division. It, it can lead to a divided soul. It can lead to these areas where things start to get separated. And so I think right now, uh, maybe just a different way for us to say it is that we are defining at VU what our wins are. I think part of the challenge beyond whatever we've all just been through, it's one thing if you're just now beginning on the other side of that thing um, and you're like, oh, I get to create and, and start a future and build something and I have nothing to compare it to. It's another thing when you felt like you were in a holy momentum 
um, or that you had success or that you felt like there was fruit, but now you're having to pivot because that play is not the right play. Right. And so I think at VU, we're, we're kind of deconstructing a lot of those types of things around what our strategies were, what our tactics were, who's on board, who's in the right seat. Um, it's just a different thing when you're beginning. And I, the risk is fun. Like We could talk about that for a moment because I felt like I was always really good at taking risks um, until you have something to lose. When I was 17, when I was going to, God, where do you want me to go? You want, I'm, I'm your boy for Africa. Like, I will be a fool anywhere, anytime. I, got, I had nothing, you know, like, uh, now it's like, I, I, got a, I got a wife, I got these the kids changed a bunch. We have a mortgage. Um, we have a church mortgage. There's 44 people that need a job. Uh, they have kids. You're like, oh, okay, like, well, you, like yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll go on. I'll, I'll do a missions trip, Lord, you know, but, like, where, where's everyone going to stay? Like, is there going to be clean water? You know, like, it's, do we have insurance to cover it? Like, it, it's weird stuff that plays into it that people don't talk about a lot, and I'm trying to wrestle with being this man of faith, this bold, prophetic risk-taker, at the same time trying to run a growing organization that has millions of dollars of income. That's not a bad thing. That's trying to steward and create a community of faith locally in the city of Miami. That, that creates challenges. And so what I would say for all of us, whether you're beginning or whether you have been going for a while, is that you have to define what is the win here? And you have to celebrate that. And I think in different seasons, wins change. And in defining the wins, you also have to know where you're okay to lose. That's right. Because there's some areas that Stephen wants to win. I'm like, dude, I'm so okay with losing that. You go take that hill. We're losing over here, over there. So you can walk it back. You know, Boo's losing. I'm like, yep, we picked that loss. Because I can't get an A in every category in every season. That's hard for all the perfectionists in the room because you're like, oh, I'm an A-plus student. Well, sometimes i got to get an A in that dating category with my wife, and that's going to mean I'm going to be a B-minus meeting guy at the church. And so you've got to understand where am I winning and where am I losing. I think over and over, that's a re- we have to redefine that, re-clarify that, and speak that out. I love that. that, is, that and, and it changes in the seasons. It changes, like you said, with age and with responsibility. I think one of the great leadership truths is the more responsibility I have, the less rights I have. I don't have the right to win at everything. I, I, I got responsibility now. I want to talk about, um, you know, one of the greatest signs of leadership, in my opinion, is who's around you. And you think about even from a biblical perspective, you think Jesus, he chooses 12. Why did he choose? You know, I always think leaders have an ability to see in people what other people don't see. And so he saw something. Or even David, we, we know David had his mighty men. You're only as good as the team, right? If, 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 the, if you want the dream to work, the team's got to work, right? Now, all that stuff. Talk to me about who are you looking for to, when you recruit to have around you? And what are some, some flags, some signs that you go, I know that this person or this type of leader can't be around me because they're carrying this or I see this. Or, so I want to know what, what, what draws you to somebody and what repels you from somebody. Well, um, we're probably familiar with Patrick Lencioni's Humble, Hungry, Smart. 
You're looking for somebody who's organization first over ambition. They're people smart, um, that they're driven, that they're hungry. I think Hold on, just say those two, uh -oh. those first two again slowly. Everybody get your <laughs> phone out. That right there, say it again. Humble, hungry, smart. So the first is they're organization driven over personal success driven. Um, hungry is, hey, I, I, I wake myself up in the morning. I'll need you to come to my house, brush my teeth, pour my orange juice. I've got to drive in myself. Right. And then the other one, which seems to be more and more rare, is people smarts. Like, you know how to work with people. <laughs> like, we've got a lot of people that can get projects done, but there's carnage in their way. <laughs> and it's like, especially in the world that we're in, in ministry, it's like, yo, this is the people business. So, so I, I think those, those are, are obviously kind of universal. I think for me, Two things that, that I'm, I'm looking for a lot right now, and it's gonna sound bad, but maybe not. Um, I'm looking for gifting. Wow. I, I think any organization, it starts off in an area where it's like, hey, let's do something great. Whether it's in business or in let's do something great. God's put a dream on my heart, let's do something great. And it's almost like a bunch of friends that get together and let's just see what happens. Yeah. But after a while, when that thing starts to grow and it starts to become a lot of responsibility and management, it's like a basketball team. Not everybody can play center. Like, you know, back yeah. in, you know, nine and under, yeah. we're all short. Anybody yeah. can play center. Right. But now you're playing D1. I need someone who's 6'10 or higher. I need someone who's called by God and gifted wow. in this area right. and then knows that they're gifted and has developed that gifting. Now, the problem with gifted people is oftentimes, because everybody wants to draw on that gifting, there's a temptation for entitlement wow. that comes in. And because I'm gifted, I deserve this and I deserve that. And there's no longer a desire to sacrifice for what God's called us to do and he's called us to build. And there is no harvest without sacrifice. So for me, I'm looking for someone who's gifted but has a biblical understanding of sacrifice. And that I'm, I'm anointed, I'm gifted, I'm good at what I yeah. do, but that doesn't exempt me yeah. from ma laying my life down for what God's called me to do. And you find somebody like that, you're finding somebody dangerous. I love that, that's powerful. Rich, you have any thoughts on that? Who, who, who are you drawn to? Yeah, I, I think, in, once again, just piggybacking on what he's talking about, because I think different seasons, once again, require different types of team members and where you're at. But I think it's just some intangibles that I've always sort of just looked for is I'm, I'm, I'm always wanting someone who's consistent. Yeah. You know, I, I think you were talking about it just even last night, the constant prayer. It's not what you do occasionally that counts. It's what you do yeah. consistently. So watching people's consistency. Um, I used to always, always teach, especially like those of you that are starting churches or starting, you, you don't get doers. No one really talks that way, but like, I don't need a talker. <laughs> I don't need a philosopher. Like, yeah. that's a great idea. We don't need that right now. We need to stack chairs, you know? So like, what are you actually freaking doing, you know? And I think that literally, like, are you a doer, bro? Like, you, you, what do you do? Like, well, I'm, I'm, when you pay me, I'll do something. No, 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 I need a doer. Like, you're doing stuff. Um, I need secure people. Wow. In fact, the thing that does not last ever very good around Don Shree and I is just like, if you're insecure, yeah. it's just so like, it doesn't ever, it's like, oh, I, 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 that's my biggest boundary. And there's little things that you can see in people that are insecure. Uh, sometimes, I think pastors are amazing at what we, um, <laughs> what will demonize and what will glorify. Like so some of you pastors, 
and me at different seasons. Like, you ever have one of those people on your team to, like, yell, bro, just so you know, I'm with you forever, man. <laughs> it's amazing how you'll be like, that's my guy. <laughs> that's my, because you got one insecure person speaking to another insecure person. Wow. It's a thing called codependency. Wow. But, homie, <laughs> it, is, it, it is two sides of the same coin. That person that's telling you forever, what I've seen, that's a red flag. I'm like, this six person, months. yeah, six, six months. months. Yeah, you're this gone. Is like, gone. <laughs> I'm like, hey, make sure they're not coming to my house again. That person's dangerous. But we don't, we don't, we don't see it that way. What, what we do is when someone's, you know, when someone's talking bad about us, we demonize. Like, oh, get them away. They're dangerous. But if they're, if they're talking at that extreme flattery, we glorify that. We celebrate that. But it's just, it's, it's the insecurity inside of both of us that we allow things like that on our team. And it's not that I don't want people that are committed. I'm just, I've always said, yo, if, if you're here, just be here. You know what I mean? Like, let, let's just get through tomorrow. You know, like, let's just stack the chairs again today and let's preach and let's just see how the, as the Lord leads us. I don't need an oath forever. I just need both your feet down for today. And um, I just want secure people. I want Hold people to say that, that again real fast. That is so good. I don't need an oath for, for forever. forever. Yeah, I don't even, I'm not like him. I just, <clears throat> when the Lord speaks through me, <laughs> I don't know what I just said. So I don't, I don't need know. Need an oath for forever. I think you like, said. Like, you know I when Jay your... raps, he's like, he doesn't like write his lyrics down. Oh, you're referring to Jay-Z. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, great. Yeah. yeah. I, was I love that guy. the other day. Do you day. know any lyrics? Do you got Jay stuff? Well, like, I'm different from like, yay and Jay and that oh, like, yay and Jay. what I do. What about any of the littles? Do you know little baby, little Dirk, little mama, little <laughs> drama? That's my favorite thing. What about you, the Lils? <laughs> uh, I, I, I don't need an oath for forever. I just need your feet on the ground today. As well. Feet on the ground today. Know. Thank I you just, for tying the bow. Thank you. I don't know. It made me nervous. It. I don't even know what I said. It was so good. Say it again. I, I forgot. Say it again. <laughs> um, no, but I just, I, security, security, confidence. Like, and what I mean by that is that it's not that I don't want people called to me or called to what we're doing or even having a vision for the, I just want them to be secure that, I always talk about this, like, you make a choice. What you do not want to raise up on your team is, is a victim mentality. Mm. So you have to constantly be speaking to the calling inside of that individual person going, I don't control you. You choose to submit. Yeah. Two totally different narratives. What Julie was talking about today, like, no one controls me. God does. I could do a lot of jobs. I'm, I'm a fairly talented person. I'm not saying that out of like arrogance. I, I have a lot of different skills. I have chosen this calling. No one chose it for me. Therefore, I don't get to blame anyone. If you hear me blaming someone, you go, ah, dude's in an insecure season right now. Nobody, nobody made me do VU conference. No one made me plant a church in Miami. God spoke to me and I have submitted unto him. And so guess what? I'm not a victim. And I don't want that around my team. And so I want to make sure that everyone who's there, it's like, yeah, there's some people that do some humbling things. There's some people that do serve us, but they need to make a choice every single day to say, I've got plenty of options, but I've burned the plows and I've chosen to be right here. And some of us have come here and like, that's where you're at. Like you, you are tolerating a victim mentality and security has to rise up on the inside of you that going, I do have options, but I've burned those options because I'm following Jesus and I want that out of our team. And so... That stuff's dangerous, man. Beautiful. I love it. I, you were going to say something. I, I, I was going to kind of throw myself under the bus. Um, our, our, our church, I don't know what I'm going to say, it didn't grow the way I wanted it to grow. I thought we were going to be over 1,000 first year. That didn't happen first nine years. 
And I found myself a lot of times complaining. You know how you look at other churches, they got great leaders here and great leaders there. And if I only had people like that, I could, I could build something great. And um, I remember John Maxwell said this. He said, if you want to know how good of a leader you are, look at the people that are following you. Because great leaders only follow great leaders. And I, I you know, we can do this as, a, as leaders sometimes. We can always blame our team. If they were this, or they were that, or if they were this, or they were that. And the reality is, we're the developers of our team. And the better we get at developing people, the higher caliber people God will send us, the more they com committed they will be. I think about Habakkuk has said, write a vision, as Stephen paraphrase, that's worth running for. So write a vision, make it plain that they who run can run with it. And I realized my vision's too small. My vision's too chaotic. It, it, it's not clear enough to actually have one person grab it, figure out what their gifting is and how they could run with it and fulfill the call of God yep. on their life within the vision. And I, I really had to challenge myself throughout the years of give people something worth sacrificing for. Give people something worth burning a plow over. It's like, hey, come build this. You asked me to burn what God's called me to do to come build that. And I realized that when I grow as a leader, when the vision is a God-sized vision, not a safe vision, I'm going to find high-caliber leaders that are willing to burn what they're doing and come build what God's laid on my heart. I, I love, uh, we just got back from our staff retreat. So we were out in, um, by the way, every time you keep talking, I just get a little closer. Um, <laughs> and you see me like, yeah. he's like, yeah. Yeah. Steven's like, why? I'm like, man, you are so anointed. Affection um, is not my... <laughs> Guess who's still broken? <laughs> oh, <God>. oh. <laughs> but we were just we were just with our team, and I did this I did this talk, and as you're speaking, it just because it, I think so much of this stuff ties in. I think it's just good conversation around the idea of risk, and as things grow, we stop taking a risk. And I did this talk called "The Struggle Has Its Purpose," and it's amazing as you like study just history. Like we are a far cry from the struggles that our ancestors went through. Like, contrary to what, like, all the, the news says, like, the world is a much safer and better place than it ever has been. You know, like, we've never been this educated. Uh, we've never had this much money. Like, it's, it's, it's never been this safe, truly. I know it's crazy because that's opposite of the media. Yet somehow we've never been more depressed. We've never been more anxious, mental health. And at times what humanity forgets is that the thing that's always brought meaning is the struggle. But we are avoiding struggle, and yeah. we're avoiding pain, and we're avoiding worthy work. And I think as we grow at times, what happens as leaders is that, you know, at this point in your life, Chad, we could use it as an example. It, it's easier for you to insulate than it even was seven years. It, well, let's just use me. It's easier for me to insulate and isolate. It's easier for me to, to, to mail it in. It's easier for me to live comfortable. And if I'm not careful, I can stop struggling, thinking that I'll be happier, I'll be healthier, but it's the opposite that takes place. And as you're talking right now, what I'm learning as a leader is that all of the stories in my life that have brought good into my life have come from struggle. Broken, I mean, like, dude, it wasn't good, but it was good for me. The Bible study was never powerful. It was powerful inside of me. Uh, the rendezvous was not cool for two years, but it was cool inside of me. God was doing something inside of me. And I think at times if I, what I'm noticing around team and people and picking people is that sometimes I'm watching leaders today 
apologize. I'm so sorry we're asking you to do this. And you're apologizing kingdom work when it's like, no, they need to have that struggle that they can develop and grow. Like you don't need to shield them from their calling. And what you're saying is like, I don't, I think it's Craig Rochelle's like, you can either make excuses or you can grow, but you can't have both. And anytime I'm making an excuse, you all don't understand what Miami's like. Miami's so hard. It's, it's such a melting pot. There's so many different national. It's, it's a graveyard. For, how many cities in America are a graveyard for churches so now? There are, so are there any we cities? New that rule. You can't say that, okay? Like, stop. Like, it's just, it's a graveyard for churches. Yeah, so is Baltimore and so is LA. And I guess Honolulu is as well. Like, how about God's called you there? And you have to quit making excuses. You have to change your mentality. You're never given perfect people. That's the, that leadership builds the right people. You, you build them. You develop them. My favorite little story in the Old Testament is David as a fugitive, bro, in the caves of Adullam. And guess who shows up to start his kingdom? Those that are in debt, not a fun group. Those that are distressed, really not fun. And those that are discontented. That is the most miserable human being in the world. Like, that's a up, millennial. Yeah. <laughs> we're not. That's funny though. That is very funny. We're not that's calling true. them out. We're acknowledging. Yeah. <laughs> They're in the cave. Like, yo, this cave, man. <laughs> like, this cave sucks. It's like, go find your own cave. And so, but what does he do? He 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 starts building them. He starts building them, and three hundred of them. And before you know it, David probably arguably has the greatest nation and kingdom that Israel ever saw, it's because of a leader. And I just don't want to, these are just truths and principles. And so let's not make excuses. Let's grow. Struggle has its purpose. Lean into it. Something's going to grow on the other side of it. Don't you have a saying, maybe you said it, somebody else said it, it's like, you know, the fear of what if we develop all these leaders and they leave us? And the flip side is that what if you don't develop them and they stay? And they stay. And I just think you know, probably the best... The beautiful ministry of staying. Yeah, probably the best compliment of your life is that there's people littered all over the world and they can go like, yeah, that season with them changed my life. And they shaped me and changed me. I just think it's a really smart idea, by the way, as a leader, to hold everything like yeah. this. Yeah. Nothing and no one belongs to me. Yeah. You live as a steward, not as an owner. That's a great leader. When you think about stewardship, your mind always goes to money because that's the main thing yeah. that we talk about, yeah. stewarding you stewarding money. We all understand the biblical principle of sowing and reaping, that God gives seed to the sower, he gives bread, and you sow. And when you sow that seed, it brings a harvest back 30, 60, 100 fold. And after a lot of people left that I had poured my heart into and they sat in my house and all this other good stuff and I got bitterness and you know, the Holy Spirit speaking to me said, how about you stop developing people for your personal goal there, there you go. and you start sowing into the kingdom of God. And it was just this paradigm shift where I started to see everything that I poured into someone, I'm pouring it not even just into them but into the kingdom of God. And anything you pour into the kingdom of God, it's going to bring back a harvest. And over the last 11 years of ministry, what I've seen to the place where I can mark names, when a leader that I invested into that I wanted to stay, when they left, it, every single time, God would send another leader. 
And it would be so weird because there'd be something about the new person that reminded me of the old person. Whether they came from the same city, had the same family makeup or whatever it may be. But every time the leader that came, their leadership floor was the last person's leadership ceiling. It was a harvest on what was sown. And all of a sudden, I'm now starting to apply faith to my leadership development that I'm pouring into you and I'm gonna get a harvest back from you. Either it comes from you or God's gonna send somebody else that Rich developed and moved up to DC and now I get to... <laughs> Yo, Vu been mad generous to us, Rich. Vu been mad We're generous. Grateful. We yeah. blessed by your ministry, bruh. We blessed. We got Vu girls walking around serving this church, bro. They wearing your merch, but they building this house. Broken. We have, we have domestic missionaries all over this nation, so we have a beautiful sending ministry that I'd never cast a vision for. But um, I love, I love, I love what we're talking about, and um, I, love, I love the conversation around narratives, and Julie cracked that open today, and um, it's something that has really helped me and guided me over the last couple of years that we're all telling ourselves a story. And that story you're telling yourself will determine the life that you live, and so uh, change your story. Change, change, like, like he just, I don't know if he even caught it, but like it's really, he does it a lot and you could take it for granted, but like what he just did was he was very, very vulnerable and he actually said I was dealing with bitterness because people were in my house that I sewed into, that I cast vision for, that I gave money to, that I helped, I prayed with them and then they left me and that left me hurting and I said, God help me and all of a sudden God gave him a revelation. These aren't just like, these are things that actually happen and now all of a sudden it's a new story he tells himself. Now when people leave, it's like, oh, I'm sowing into the kingdom of God. And one day I'm going to reap a harvest for that. And something similar happened to me because after you go, like, I remember when I sat down with Pastor Chris Hodges, who's a mutual friend of ours and a mutual, I shouldn't say friend, mentor, pastor. And we were starting our church. And, um, you know, I don't struggle with an ego or anything like that. So um, <laughs> this is such a tough crowd, but I like it. Okay. I mean, um, everyone's like, we know that. Guys, that is really funny. Yeah, no, it's not. It's okay. I thought that was funny. Uh, no, no. It's not a big deal. I'm very humble. And so you can tell. And... <laughs> When that comes out of you like that, people, anyways, um, I was sitting with Pastor Chris, and he said, you know, Rich, when you start a church, um, the people that start with you seven years in probably won't, won't be with you. And I heard that. And he, you know, he gave really beautiful analogies. You know, starting a church, it's a different type of person. Like, it, it's like scaffolding. And once a building gets, you know, constructed, the scaffolding comes off. And I, I like, you know, put it in, yeah, amen. oh, that's good. And I walked out going, bro, this man don't know me, you know. <laughs> I've been doing this since broken, okay? <laughs> there it is. Um, like, like, I know how to lead, and I am, I am a good leader, and uh, I love people dearly. And I would say, since like the COVID time, there's just people that I thought, I, I had this story in my mind, not because they said it, because we don't even allow it, but in my mind, I was like, oh, this person's gonna be with me, and this person's gonna go, and they're just not today. And I found myself like, once again, to keep referencing, I thought Julia's talk today was so brilliant and so deep because it's, it, was, it was full of depth and it was, yep. it was really, really just great Bible teaching. But then it was also just very, very practical. What you do is there's a crisis of connection. And you kind of go, let me just, let me just, I'm, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to protect myself. 
Because I'm, I'm the guy who's like got my house open all the time. I'm the guy who's teaching leaders like you don't spend time with people enough. And, you know, the Apostle Paul said we didn't just preach. We shared our lives. You don't, you don't share nothing, you know. And so I'm the guy who's like, yeah, you want my 2285? That's my ATM pin. It's yours, you know. Like, why? Like, I'm that guy, you know. Um, kidding. Chill out. Once again, hard crowd. It's all right. We'll, we'll, we'll loosen them up Was before tonight. Five? You yeah. said 85. Yeah, he's got okay. it, you know. <laughs> there's nothing there. There's That's nothing kind there. of the sign of leadership is that there's – a whole world of people that have your pin. Totally. It's just such a real leadership Every password thing. for the church is my personal password. Yeah, because yeah. Well, when we started, I have it's given like, my, I'll give I my pin to anybody. I walked by today and someone said his password for, some, like, for like a gate code. I was like, whoa, 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 whoa. That's like all of my passwords. Like, like for everything. I'm like, I don't even know this human being. I'm like, oh my God. Um, but it's not a personal thing, you know. Um, so I, literally I, I was... I, I, I self-awareness, I was like, I could sense myself isolating. And I was talking to another mentor of mine, and we were having this conversation. And it was a new story that he gave me, and it, it's simply this. I have three little kids. I have a four-year-old boy named Wyatt, and Wyatt is in soccer right now. And I'm going to tell you the truth. When I go out to soccer practice, it's serious. I'm, let's go! It, it, he's all right, you know? Um, <laughs> he's all right. And he's signing up for T-ball right now, too, you know? Like, and I'm going to be at T-ball practice. I know it. Like, I'm like, let's go! You're like yelling and getting mad at the umps and stuff like that. And I don't want to speak any kind of like negativity over my son, but, but this is probably a true statement. He's probably not going to be a professional baseball player and soccer player. Okay? He's, maybe he'll be one. Let's, who knows? But how many of y'all know that's not going to stop me from in this season leaning in, coaching him, and loving him? And maybe some of you, maybe you're not ready for this narrative, but this is where Don Shree and I are at. And maybe you go, that sounds kind of fatalistic, but it doesn't. It helps me. I don't think anyone's staying with me forever. I think everybody's leaving. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The question is simply when. Yeah. And so I've just changed my entire narrative to go, and you know what I'm doing? I'm parenting these kids in my church and on my team the same way I would parent my own kids. Wyatt, as much as I love that boy, is not going to live in my house forever. And I don't think he's going to be a professional baseball player. He might. He's not going to probably be both. But I'm not missing one game. I'm not missing coaching. In fact, something tells me I'm going to look back when he's older and go, that was some of the best years of my life, being at soccer practice. And I think it's the same thing with us pastoring in our organization going, I don't want to look back with bitterness going, I I invested so much. I want to look back going, that was t-ball practice, and that was some of the greatest times of my life. I, I, I I don't take it lightly. And for me, what it did, it gave me my confidence back to say, all right, I'm in it right now. I'm going to lean into what this season looks like. I love all of these people. They owe me nothing. Jesus has given me everything. When they go, like he said, there's going to be a harvest. The right person is going to step in. It's not going to be addition. It's going to be multiplication. I believe this stuff. But you have to keep fighting that on the inside. That's keep right. developing. Keep I love that idea, the narrative, the story that you tell yourself. That's everything Thank for you me. For clapping. It's really, it's, you know... It's really powerful truths, but it does take maturity and it does take failure. You know, the, the, the maturation of a leader, the development of a leader. I just love that, you know, we see in David, he's on the backside of the desert when nobody's watching and God develops him. And then in one moment, he goes from sheep and lambs to taking care of millions So I just always think as a leader, it's always good to throw your heart into whatever you're doing. 
I always hold on to Colossians 3.23. Everything you do, do it wholeheartedly as unto the Lord. You're not working for a man. You're not working for an organization. You're working for a God. Yeah. So you do it every, and, and, and you will despise yourself if you give, if you mail it in to, to steal your language. So I love that. I want to end with one last question. I think the leaders that are going to continue to win is anyone that leads with optimism and curiosity. So I, I just want to end by asking both of you guys, what are you optimistic about? Like, what are you excited about? And what's something that piques your curiosity? It could be finance, it could be organizational health, could be parenting, whatever. But what are you curious about right now that you're like, man, I'm really excited. About, I'm learning about this. I want to get better, improve. And man, I'm really optimistic about this area of my life. Because I think if we can start to just fan to flame positivity and curiosity, like if I'm being honest, this is what I want my whole life to live like for the rest of my life. I'm optimistic and I'm really curious. What, what, what would stand out to you? I, I think, well, I'm, I'm a pastor through and through. I'm always thinking church. I'm always thinking ministry, always thinking souls. And there's such a negative narrative about life today. You were talking about the news and how it's kind of just everything is just it's the worst it's ever been and all that. I think it would be fair to say on this side of the pandemic um, that people are probably more dissatisfied with life than they have been. Dissatisfied with the job I worked, the office I was in, the city I lived in, everybody's kind of just, what's next? And for me, if people are searching for something and there's nothing better to find than Christ, this may be the greatest season and opportunity of harvest that the church has ever encountered because they're finally over their career. They're finally over the city that they loved in. They're finally over that relationship that wasn't fulfilling. They, I, I feel like we live in a society that may have come to the end of itself. And it's not so you come to the end of yourself that you're ready to make Jesus Lord. So I'm like, man, let's, this might be one of the greatest harvests that we've ever seen. So I'm just super optimistic. Um, I think I'm curious about how people receive now. I think it's a, it's, it's, it's a little bit different. We used to love to receive in crowds. We used to love to receive in movie theaters. If the whole movie industry, they're releasing stuff on streaming now more than they're releasing yeah. it in theaters because people don't like to gather in that way anymore. And I'm like, man, if we can figure out how to speak yep. the new language that's being developed in society today, we already know that we have the solution. We already know that we have what they're looking for. But, you know, Chipotle figured out that, hey, they want to be able to design their bowl, not just you hand it to them through a window. Yep. If we can figure out what's the new desire that we can hand what they're looking for, I think we can see an upward trajectory um, that we never thought possible. So it's really, really good. And um, I'm in full agreement. I was in um, Chicago like three weeks ago, and it was so funny because uh, I was taking a break, and normally on a Sunday, I'm usually in church. On this day, I wasn't. I wasn't preaching anywhere. And it's kind of funny when you're a pastor. Like, I'm always in church. And, like, you ever like, have a Sunday where you're not in church, and you're, you're out and about, you're like, whoa, this is where everyone's at. Okay, all right. 
Like, this isn't so bad. I'm like, okay, like, maybe I can, you know, chill out. It's like, this such is, a bizarre feeling. It's so like, okay. I was, I was in Chicago. Farmer's and, market. Yeah, we're okay. walking around, and, like, streets are packed, you know? Brunch is packed. I'm like, dang, okay, like, I guess, yeah, we, we have some competition, you know? And I did this, um, I did this, like, I, Chicago's known for its architecture, so, like, down the, the river, we did this, like, sightseeing tour. I'm a... I'm always thinking ministry, and so this tour guide, she was, like, really good, you know? She was, like, really into her job and passionate, and she's, like, pointing stuff out. I, midway through, I'm pulling my phone out, like, taking notes. Like, she's, you know, like, one thing she said I thought was so good, I'm going to preach this, and you can have it, too, but, like, <laughs> you wait, you're, you're like, this is good. She's like, skyscrapers. She's like, you know that they, they sway. Yeah, they sway up there. She's like, no, if your skyscraper don't sway. It snaps. I was like, that will preach. Yes, because leadership's a sway. That's right. If you don't sway in leadership, you snap. So that see, this see how you just works. Okay, so blessed are the flexible. It's not always the Bible, bro. No kidding. I'm trying to go somewhere. I, I will, but I'm very comfortable now. And um, I'm on this tour, and true story. Uh, we get to the end of this. We get to this end of this part, and she goes, "Hey," she goes, "Right over here is where the Great Chicago Fire started, 1871. It starts on one side of the river. The river was so polluted that it it starts burning and it jumps into the river. And then, if you can believe it, it hits a paper mill, and with it, three square miles of Chicago are burned up. 18,000 square, uh, 18 18,000 buildings burned down. It's the largest known urban fire to this day." What everyone in Chicago will tell you that knows anything about the history of Chicago is that fire was the best thing that's ever happened in Chicago. The reason why was because it completely leveled an entire city and it allowed people to come together and now recreate and build a new city. Wow. And so Chicago is one of uh, architecture's like wonders of the world. They have a three-layered street. They have all sorts of different types of buildings because with the fire, they had to quickly start building again and every architect moved to Chicago. Would you believe it? In 1871, the fire happened. 15 years later, the first skyscraper was invented and built where? Chicago. And and, and to me, it just just tells me that as leaders, when you say, what are you optimistic about? I, I don't know if I can pinpoint this specific thing. I'm still sitting there every Sunday going, they're coming back this Sunday. I love the attitude. Yeah, like, like that's, that's, I'm kind of like, yo, I, I still leave disappointed. Like, where were they? Like, like I, why is it like what, 29% still, like, I'm that guy, you know? And I don't know if that's even the right mentality. What I'm saying is I'm optimistic that a fire has occurred. Yeah. And I'm not leaving the scene because there's new architects moving to the city. And give it a couple more years. We're about to see some skyscrapers that are formed. And so I'm just, I'm not dipping. I'm just, I don't know if I get to be one of those architects. I don't know if I'm going to be next to Steven Chandler when he, this is how they receive him. Like, yo, I was there. And before you know it, I'm, that's why you keep getting closer to people that are optimistic. But um, I just, I think the big thing that I'm saying is I'm not going anywhere. And I think there's a fortitude inside of me that I don't have extreme clarity. Mother Teresa said, I've never had clarity. I've only had trust. And it speaks to me. It's like something's burned up. But let's see where we're at 13 more years from now. If you will stay, if you will stay planted, who knows what's going to be created? Who knows what's going to be delivered? I want to be there for that moment. And so I'm optimistic that moment is coming. And I'm not going anywhere.
The possibilities are endless, Amen. truly. Amen. We're so thankful for both of you. Thank you for being here. Thank you for being on the pod. Thank you for leading and living so well. Thank you for being close uh, together, but we, we honor both of you. Thank you for your leadership. We're excited. Uh, leaners that are listening right now, we're about to go into the afternoon session here at the conference. Pastor Stephen's going to be preaching that tonight, Pastor Rich. So let's clap one more time and thank God for these guys. We love you. Let's all stand to our feet. Thank you so much for joining us for the Leadership Lean In Lunch. Hope you had a great time.